Let's just stand for the reading of God's word. As we continue our series through 1st and 2nd Kings, this morning we find ourselves in 2nd Kings chapter 4, verses 38 through 44. Remember, beloved, these are the very written words of God. And Elisha, he came again to Gilgal when there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. He said, then bring flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, pour out some for the men that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. A man came from Baal, Shalisha, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. Indeed, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. And may he add his blessing to it. You may be seated. Now, I recently read a story about the first man, first time, I recently read a story about a man who cooked for his now wife for the very first time. And so he decided to prepare for her a nice, delicious meal featuring salmon, which he felt like he prepared perfectly only for her to get extremely sick immediately after the supper. Sick enough that they decided to investigate the cause of the sickness. Like, this is a problem. This isn't ordinary food issues. And upon their investigation, they discovered that her sister had bleached her own hair in the kitchen sink earlier that day and had used a basting brush to apply the bleach, which she then left in the kitchen sink. Later that day, this unsuspecting, unknowing gentleman, while cooking, the man, you know, it's just always a man, unfortunately. <laughs> a man saw the perfect instrument for basting sitting right there in the sink and thought it was the perfect basting brush for spreading the butter and herbs onto the salmon, which he used to glaze onto the salmon. Later, they had to call poison control to find out if it was okay if she ingested a small amount of bleach. From what I understand, everything was okay. Sadly, that's not the first time a man has put others at risk with his cooking, okay? The story that comes from our text today, I got that story from a top 10 list of kitchen cooking disasters, I think, 
the story from Elisha today could actually be number one on that list. The poisonous wild gourds inadvertently used as a recipe for dinner. Don't you feel for that guy? He thought he was helping, and it was a disaster. This morning, we have two stories that both deal with a problem related to food and provision, both stories that reinforce a common point. Let's start with story number one. In verses 38 through 40, and Elisha, he came again to Gilgal, both Elijah and Elisha, like someone, a prophet who would come later, had itinerant preaching ministries. They would go all over the northern kingdom preaching and teaching and correcting various situations. So this morning, Elisha finds himself in Gilgal. When there was a famine in the land, and as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs, I feel for the guy, and he found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds. He was thinking, they are gonna be amazed and so impressed with what I'm doing here. He came, he cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were, if you look at wild gourds from that area, it was almost and is impossible to tell the difference between a poisonous gourd and a non-poisonous gourd. So let's cut him some slack. Verse 40, and they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating of the stew, they cried out. The poisonous gourds were extremely bitter. And so that's the tell, that's the clue. These guys, the sons of the prophet knew, we've got a bad pot here. While eating of the stew, they cried out, oh man of God, there is death in the pot and they could not eat it. Now friends, don't ever say this to your wives. Don't ever say there's death in the pot, just roll with it. <laughs> in my house, if you ask, what are we having for dinner? That's when things go off beat. Now, friends, I want you to think of the sons of the prophets. Think of them like modern-day seminary students. And so when Elisha is teaching the sons of the prophets at Gilgal, think of it as like RTS Gilgal. Reformed Theological Seminary has a few too many campuses, and so think at this point they had expanded all the way out to Gilgal. So class is over at RTS. It's time for lunch it's time to eat. Back in my day, you could sign up to go out to lunch with the professor. We would go to McAllister's and get some sweet tea, and it was a wonderful time, a delightful setting. But in this case, food was hard to come by. Why? Because there's a famine in the land, and the famine in the land serves as the backdrop not only to this story, but the story that follows. And when there was a famine in the land, what did that mean? about the hearts of the people. When there was a famine in the land, that was an indication that there was a spiritual famine in the hearts of the people. And in the book of First and Second Kings, if you've been here for a while, physical famine is an indication not only of a spiritual famine, but a physical famine was a byproduct 
of what we would call the consequences or curses of the covenant. Like in the book of Leviticus, it's clearly laid out that if the people stubbornly start worshiping other gods, that in order to discipline them as a consequence of doing so, God would bring a famine. It says he would cause there to be iron in the heavens and bronze in the soil. In other words, there would be no harvest. Agriculture would stop and there would be a famine in the land. And so that's what's happening here. The Lord is bringing the, the consequences of the covenant to bear and there is a famine in the land which is indicative of what was going on in their hearts. And so there is a lack of food which causes this naive seminary student to look for anything edible he can find to make the stew more robust. Perhaps he had been watching some of those um, Campbell's chunky soup commercials. You know, it's the soup that does what? It's the soup that what? It eats like a meal. You know, so he's probably trying to do that. Find these ingredients that would make the soup that eats like a meal. Okay, so he collected some of these wild gourds. I mean, can you not imagine him? He's whistling while he's working, whacking off the wild gourds. Guys, don't ever get a wild gourd and put it in anything, okay? That just sounds dangerous to me. But that's what he did. Um, they're very bitter. That's how the men knew. They're in a fix, not so much from food poisoning at this point. I think they tasted it. They spit it out. But now the entire stew is tainted. They're going to go hungry. There's a problem. They couldn't just employ the five-second rule. Okay? Guys know about the five-second rule. Do you know about this? You know, something falls on the floor. If you can pick it up in five seconds or less, it's fine to eat. True story about the five-second rule, and I have not gotten permission to use this story. So, a number of months ago, well, Stephanie knows I love hot dogs. I went to a football game yesterday. Even though I'd eaten a delicious lunch before I left, I had to get a hot dog. I'm just a hot dog guy from North Carolina. Just got to have a hot dog. And so, a number of months ago, Virginia and I love to go to movies with Haziel and his three precious children. That's kind of something that we like to do. And so, one afternoon, we decided to go to a movie and... Um, I don't think I'd eaten much lunch, and I was looking forward to this hot dog. You know, a delicious hot dog. Stephanie thinks that's totally gross that I would get a hot dog at a movie theater or a gas station. Sometimes that's where you can get the best hot dog. <laughs> so I get this hot dog. It's during the previews. I have doctored it up perfectly. I have the mustard strip on there perfectly. I have my Coke on my right. Hot dog on the armrest to my left. I go to do something over here. I come back. Hot dog is gone. Nowhere to be found. Elizabeth can too. Okay, precious Elizabeth has her head down in her hands. And something in the preview had been a little too exciting. And she had gotten scared. She had turned around and shot my hot dog off the armrest. We were in the back row. It had hit the back wall and fallen onto the floor. I had a decision to make, okay? <laughs> Should I forego the hot dog? That was not an option, okay? 
It was near the last of the previews. I didn't want to miss the beginning of the movie. This all happened within a span of five seconds. Reached down, picked up the hot dog, dusted it off. One of the best hot dogs I've ever had. That is the five-second rule in action. That might have been the title of the sermon, the five-second rule. Okay. That was not possible here, okay? The entire stew was tainted. There was a famine in the land. The people had no food to eat. So what does Elisha do? How does he solve this problem? This really would have been a very significant problem in this context due to the famine, the entire meal spoiled and poisoned. What's Elisha going to do? Verse 41. He said, then bring some flour. And Elisha threw it into the pot and said, pour some out for the men that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. What is the point for the original reader? This is not only the God who provides in the midst of great adversity and during a time of famine. This is the God who brings life out of death. This was written to the people of God who were leaving captivity to come back to the land. They were going to face adversity beyond our wildest imagination. God is saying, I can bless you even here. I can bring life from death. Trust me as your provider. That's story number one. Let's go to story number two that builds on it and reinforces it and drives it home and sets the stage for the Lord Jesus. Verse 42. This is incredible. Once you realize all the background details, it's just, it's incredible. So, immediately following this story, we read about a man who came from Baal Shalisha. Remember that. What did he do? Bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, give to the men that they may eat. That refrain is the same refrain from the first story. Give to the men that they may eat. Okay, what were the first fruits? Do you remember from your Old Testament? Back to the law of Moses. At the end of the harvest, or really the beginning of the harvest, Okay, and you brought in the first fruits of the harvest. You were to make a tithe of that or give a tenth of the first fruits to the Lord in Jerusalem as a sacrifice or a tithe of what? Of thanksgiving. That God had provided the harvest. And so you would take a tenth, you would take of your first fruits, you would go to Jerusalem and offer those in sacrifice and as a tithe, as a thanksgiving to the Lord as the great provider. Why do you think this unnamed man comes from Baal Shalisha, Shalisha and brings the first fruits to Elisha? Why does he do that? Why doesn't he take them to Jerusalem? What do you think? He's from the northern kingdom. This is a trivia question. Why doesn't he take them to Jerusalem? Because people in the northern kingdom weren't allowed to take the sacrifice 
down to Jerusalem. Okay, what was the capital of the northern kingdom? Samaria. Samaria was full of Baal worship and syncretism. And so when this unnamed man wanted to make an offering to the true representative of God in Israel, to whom does he bring it? He brings it to Elisha. What is going on in the background? There is a famine in the land. Elisha and the sons of the prophets, they don't have very much. And so this man comes at just the right time with the feast of the first fruits to bring to the man of God. Okay? Notice where the man comes from. This is what brings the Bible alive. Where does this unnamed man come from? He comes from Baal Shalisha. Okay, what does Shalisha mean? Shalisha means in triplicate. It means, in a sense, to the third power. What does Baal mean? Who did Baal represent? Baal was the god of the Canaanites. And what did Baal do as the god of the Canaanites? What kind of god was he? Do you remember? He was the fertility god. He's the god that brought rain, that brought the harvest. And so here we have what is going on in the backdrop? What's happening? There's a famine. Food is scarce. Baal is totally incapable of providing. This is a polemic, an argument against Baal. He can't provide. God raises up an unnamed man from where? Baal Shalisha. Baal to the third power. He raises up an unnamed man from Baal, Baal, Baal to bring the feast of the first fruits to the man of God. Let me tell you something. That made a point. God could bring provision from the darkest of places and provide for his people. It's incredible. Look at verses 43 and 44. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred men? It's impossible. This is just so meager. So he repeated, Elisha did, give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. So he set it, these 20 loaves of bread before them, and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. So this is really a twofold miracle. Was it a miracle of multiplication? Absolutely. There is no way with 20 small barley loaves that you could feed 100, 100 hungry men. Absolutely impossible. So through the power of God, God allows Elisha to multiply the bread. But maybe the greater miracle is from where the bread came, from Baal Shalisha, from Baal-saturated Shalisha. God raises up this man from the least likely of places to provide for his prophet and these seminary students in their time of need. God is able to provide from the darkest of places even more than they need. So not only were the men satisfied, what does the text say? That they had what left over? 
some left over. Their needs were more than supplied for. Okay, you know your Bibles. Does this remind you of anything? You go to John 6. What did Jesus do? Jesus fed the 5,000. Now, it's no surprise that after Jesus feeds the 5,000, I will say, by the way, the text indicates there were 5,000 men, the book of John says, which indicates there could have been 20,000 people there. 20,000 people, including women and children. How many loaves does Jesus have to work with? Do you remember your Bible? How many? Five? Okay, how many fish? Two fish? Think of the comparison. Elisha takes 20 loaves of bread and feeds how many people? A hundred. Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and feeds 20,000 people. The people after that, what was their response? This is the prophet of God. Other people associated Jesus with Elijah and Elisha. They made the connection. They knew that the prophetic heir, the fulfillment of Elijah and Elisha's ministry is here. He is Elisha. Oh my goodness. But so much more. Far better. He's the prophet that the Lord's people were anticipating. Go back. Go way back to the beginning. In the garden. What did God say to Adam and Eve? I have given you the fruit of every tree of this garden save one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I have provided for you beyond your wildest expectation. I have provided for you with more to spare except from this one tree. Why were they to avoid that one tree? There wasn't death in the pot. There was what? Death in that tree. And Adam and Eve chose to feed themselves and provide for themselves. And that is what we have been doing ever since. We have declared our independence. We feed ourselves. We provide ourselves for ourselves. We know what's best for ourselves. What is the point of this? These two miracles that are fulfilled in Christ. I am your provider. What was Jesus saying to these people? I am the what? The bread of life. I am the bread from heaven. You eat from this food and you will never need to eat again. We are a people to go, who go to a thousand other things to have our needs provided. So where there was just some to spare after Elijah's miracle, how much was there left over after Jesus fed 20,000 people? Twelve baskets of overflow. Have you ever wondered whether or not God can really meet your needs? In the Lord Jesus... There is no want or lack of supply. Whatever your need is, the Lord Jesus is there to provide for it. Like Chris said at the beginning, what is our greatest need? Our greatest need is to have our sins forgiven, which he did through his atonement, 
but we also have a righteousness problem. God requires a righteousness we cannot provide. What does Jesus provide? He provides our righteousness. When we trust in him, all of our sins are forgiven and all of the righteous demands of the law are satisfied in Christ. Beloved, why are we people who need to eat? Even that is pedagogical. God created you and me with the need for food to ultimately teach us that we can only be satisfied with the food that we find in Jesus Christ. Why do you think we have a banquet feast before us? To remind us that we can't feed ourselves and provide for ourselves. We need to look to Jesus Christ, his blood, his righteousness. Can you believe it? The sacrifice of Jesus Christ provides everything we need and more to spare. Do you have a need today? How are you feeling today? If you have any need whatsoever, come to the Lord Jesus. Come to his table. I promise you, you need him more than you know. Come to be fed. Come to be satisfied. All of our lives are to be caught up in the worship of the risen Lord Jesus Christ in his life and his death. The entire Bible, the entire Bible is unified by this theme. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Father, we are amazed at how from the very beginning you created us as people who need food. You didn't have to create us that way, but you did to teach us that we have a need ultimately that can only be satisfied in the provision of your son, the bread of life, the bread of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. We confess that we are a people, people who seek to feed ourselves and provide for ourselves. Lord, help us to repent of that. Help us to see our great need for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for him. We praise you for him. And we pray this in his matchless name. Amen.